Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Outbreak Podcast, an outlet for discussing creativity and the great beyond. We also discuss everything from gaming to film to the dark and dreary corners of the internet. I'm your host on this wild ride, William Key. And wouldn't you know it, we have another special guest on the show today. Everybody, please give it up for Bailey. Can you teach me a song? No, I won't actually teach you a song. Clap your hands three times. One, two, three. You know what, Bailey? I want to know. Oh, you can't. We we have to talk one and then the next person talks. So you got to wait for me to talk to you. Why don't you tell me, uh, what what do you think is going to take Game of the Year this year? A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. Well, that's pretty interesting. I, I wasn't expecting you for a Plague Tale Requiem type of dog, but... Um, you know what? I, I think I'm going to get to the actual show. Thank you so much for joining in. Yeah, and this is fantastic. Why don't you shut off right now? So that that was Bailey. You know, this, this nice quick cameo appearance from this freaking dog that that Finn seems to absolutely love. He got it for his birthday a couple of weeks ago. I thought, okay, let's get her on the show. Let's see what she has to say about the state of gaming. Uh, turns out... She had a whole heck of a lot to say. I was very surprised. Uh, but I, I didn't want to keep her on for too long because I know she's a busy dog and she's got places to be. She's got batteries to not deplete. Uh, her, the other day, she was sit, sitting on the couch and Finn was... She has this button on the chest that like you press it and then it says, like say something and I'll repeat it and then the ears will go up and you're supposed to like speak to the dog and then the dog will repeat what you said back to you. So I was using the dog to get Finn to try to brush his teeth because Finn wasn't listening to me. So I got the dog. I said, brush your teeth, Finn. And then the dog go like, beep, beep. And then say, brush your teeth, Finn. Brush your teeth, Finn. But of course, Finn doesn't listen to a dog, let alone his own dad sometimes. So it failed. But, you know, it was worth it was worth a shot. It was worth a shot. So funny enough, I'm actually recording this in the afternoon uh, because I realized that my wife is actually going to be home in the evening. So I thought to myself, okay, she's out right now. I'm going to do the show. Uh, thought there's some interesting developments uh, over the weekend. It was a really busy weekend. Uh, we had a work gala that I had to go to for my company company's 50th anniversary, and it was a lot of fun. There was over 500 people that attended the event, and it went until the wee hours of the morning. We we ended up getting home around 1.30, 2 o'clock, stayed in a hotel, uh, and then we came home, and basically, you know, as the weekend was going on, too, like, you know, Finn was dealing with a bit of a cold, which then sort of spread to us as well. Like we started developing sort of a sore throat and a bit of a cough Monday, Tuesday. I think I'm on the other side of it now, but I just heard from somebody from work that he just developed a nasty cold and we were all in the office with him. We were actually all took lunch together. We all got in this car and turns out we may be exposed. So we're waiting to see if, if one of the three of us that went with him is uh, going to come back with a cold. I don't know if he can catch it twice. Like back to back. I know kids are probably more susceptible to it, but who knows? You know, crazier things have happened, I guess. Otherwise, you know, we had, I probably mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but my uh, my wife and I are currently playing volleyball uh, once a week on a, a Wednesday team. And we only had like six people at the game yesterday. And typically we have nine. So we have, we have enough for rotate, rotate three people. 
Uh, but what ended up happening was we actually won all three of our games back to back last night, which that never happens. You know what I mean? It's, it's, we typically, the last couple, the last time we won all three games back to back was our very first game back in, I think, October. Or was it September? I think it was early October that we that we started. So we've been on, on quite the losing streak. It's been sort of like a negative environment, negative moods. I haven't really been playing all the best and then kind of getting in my own head. And I think everybody on the team is sort of experiencing it differently. Everybody was kind of bummed out that we keep losing. But yesterday was, was such a positive energy. And it was such a tight-knit, like, six of us that... You know, we were playing really well. We were communicating really well. And it just, I feel like I played my best game to date as well. I was focused. I was driven. And, and I was making some really good hits. But I'm I'm not like, volleyball is not my first sport. So it's it's something that's taking me uh, some time to get into sort of the swing of like where I'm supposed to stand and kind of relearning the hits as well. I feel like my serves are pretty well on point. Like I, I was serving some pretty solid shots. Uh, even got the game-winning goal at the very last game too, which was amazing. And so, yeah, like that, it, it was a great, it was a great win. Uh, on the watching side, you know, aside from like your typical like finishing up Bachelor in Paradise, which we did this week, the only other show that I started and finished was Tales of the Jedi, which is on Disney Plus. And I want to kind of go over a bit of my thoughts as to like how I felt about that show because here's the thing: it was a mini series. It was only six episodes long. And it focused primarily on the origins of Ahsoka Tano as well as Count Dooku uh, before he turned to the dark side. I felt like that story was a hell of a lot more interesting than Ahsoka's story only because I didn't realize that Dooku started as a Jedi Master before he moved over to the dark side. So as somebody who's not familiar with Star Wars lore and is only really as familiar with Star Wars through, say, the movies... Not even like the animated shows, the movies and then the actual like more recent live action television shows. That's really all I'm familiar with in terms of Star Wars. So that part was interesting. I really, in other terms, I don't know if having this series was necessary. It was great. I thought the animation was spot on. And I thought it was cool that they brought Liam Neeson back to do Qui-Gon Jinn for one of the episodes. But otherwise, though, it, it felt like a series that really didn't need to happen and probably could have been explained better in like a graphic novel or a book or something like that. But I mean, they're taking their chances on on a variety of different stories for Star Wars. So there's a possibility that if Tales of the Jedi continues past this first season, that they could focus on some more stories in later seasons. I actually don't know if this is all they're doing is the six episodes or if they're going to do more. I didn't mind what I watched so far, so you know, take with it what you will. Let me know as well in the comments if you have watched it, what your thoughts are on it. I am curious to see how other people uh, took to that series. But I do want to get into our stories this week. It's, it was kind of a light week for news, so there isn't anything that's like major, dramatic, but I want to kind of give you a couple of interesting stories that I did come across this week. The first one actually comes to me from Video Games Chronicle. Now, according to this, Sony has been claiming that Microsoft's true strategy behind its proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard is to have PlayStation become like Nintendo and not compete with Microsoft in the 18-rated shooter space. These comments were made in a newly published response to UK regulator the competition and market authority's decision to expand its investigation into the proposed acquisition. So in a 22-page response... 
Sony Interactive Entertainment alleges that if the deal were to go through, users would leave PlayStation's ecosystem, Microsoft would raise Xbox prices, and independent developers would be harmed in the fallout. As has been the trend with the regulatory back and forth, much of the document focuses on Call of Duty and the perceived harm Sony claims that Activision Blizzard deal would cause, should the flagship franchise be made exclusive to Xbox. So Sony does allege that when they reference Nintendo, their strategy has always differentiated from PlayStation and Xbox because they don't rely on 18-plus shooter franchises in order to make the sales. However, PlayStation has you know, carried on with a number of shooters that have helped to sort of sell their console, aside from the fact that they've got first-party studios who make single-player games. But they feel as if there's a larger market on the multiplayer side that when if they lose that, that Xbox would reign supreme. Okay, so I can see the worry that, that Sony has here. They're worried that Activision Blizzard is basically running... They're running the show when it comes to shooters. They've got Call of Duty, they've got Overwatch, and a number of other large multiplayer experiences exclusive on, on Microsoft. And Microsoft has come out and stated that, that uh, Sony has access to Call of Duty. In fact, I think there was something circling around this week that said that the initial deal uh, after the acquisition was that Sony would have access to Call of Duty for the next 10 years. That gives them plenty of time to at least reap the benefits of Call of Duty multiplayer. But if that's the intention, if Microsoft is is intending on making it so that they are the go-to place for multiplayer experiences, you note I'm noticing that it is kind of pulling away from, you know, at least in the last five to ten years, we've been making this push in the industry to have this sort of interconnectivity, cross-platform gameplay, especially with games like Rocket League really being the the big one to push uh, multi-platform gameplay, and now it feels as if with being in the sort of acquisition era that we're pulling away from that and now we're making it so that the competition's ramping up and that you have to either play with sony play with microsoft or play with nintendo i don't think it was right to really loop nintendo in on this argument i understand the point that sony's trying to drive across but i feel like they they're worried about something that like clearly yes with buying buying up the studios behind uh, Call of Duty, that is part of the stiff competition. But Sony is also capable with all of their first party studios of of creating a direct competitor to those games. You know, they purchased Bungie and they've got other studios like Insomniac, Santa Monica Studio, Blue Point. They've got other studios under their belt that they could, you know, turn to in the event that like people are maybe getting a little bored or stale of Call of Duty. There are people that are going to continue to play these games. Like, let's not let's not forget about that. But I don't know. I think that Sony is making a little too much noise right now in the public eye, especially on Twitter. With the CEO is basically, you know, bombasting everything that has to do with this Activision Blizzard deal. And so, I think that we have to just wait and see if the acquisition does come through. I believe there are some areas that have accepted the deal as fair. Uh, I think in the like March 1st, 2023 is sort of the cutoff when we can finally hear if this deal is actually going to happen. It definitely will. I, I do believe that Microsoft is going to acquire Activision Blizzard and it's going to be a, a fair deal. And then from there, you know, maybe if Sony can kind of tighten up their bootstraps a bit, they can try to come back to the table with Microsoft and find a fair deal that works out for everybody. They're not as worried about the other shoot. They're worried more about Call of Duty because people especially on, on the PlayStation platform, need to have some form of a shooter that they can play with and play with their friends if they can't necessarily get access to a, a modded PC 
or even an Xbox. They want to be able to play cross-platform with their friends. I hope that we're not going to get away from this sort of cross-platform way of playing with each other, but only time will tell, and it really all depends on how this acquisition goes. Now, our next story, it's not at all surprising, but uh, according to a report from Nintendo, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet have actually sold 10 million units in its first three days of, of its release. This is the highest global sales level for any software on any Nintendo platform within the first three days, and this number includes both physical and digital sales. Now, that's fairly impressive for Pokemon, despite all this news that the game hasn't run properly. And there was a lot of bugs. There was a lot of glitches. I don't know if there have been any game-breaking glitches, but there have been certainly a lot of glitches that have led people to believe that Game Freak is really not, like, they're really not cutting it in terms of creating a game in a live-action scope that's going to compete with the likes of something like Breath of the Wild, which has already been doing it well enough, and that was five years ago, almost six years ago, when Breath of the Wild released. This is still, Game Freak is still sort of figuring out the live action sphere. I feel like they sort of had it with Legends Arceus, but you'd think that they would have it for Scarlet and Violet. I think the problem with Pokemon games is that they don't give themselves enough time to really fine tune and get everything ready and have it be a really polished and quality product. Because here's the thing, much like with, and I hate to make the comparison to this, but with like your Call of Duties, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, you can build upon it. And that's what Pokemon's always done. It's been very formulaic. Rather than changing the formula, you know, they tried it with Sun and Moon, but then they came back to the original formula uh, with like gym battles. They've added some new features. I think in this one, it was Terrastall. The last game, it was like the Gigantamax. They're adding new features to try to keep people engaged and, and bring new players to the game. However, you know, this is their first since, I believe, X, what was the last one? Sword and Shield. Sword and Shield was like open world-like. They had open areas, and but it was more of a linear game. It just felt, it was like the first real 3D Pokemon game. And then came Legends Arceus, which I believe was an open world game. But that one also was a bit more polished. And it didn't rely necessarily on the formula of traditional Pokemon games. This one you know, is an open world Pokemon game. And people were excited for the idea of an open world Pokemon game. This is the ninth generation, you know, Game Freak's been around for years. And so they've essentially perfected the formula. The game did not review terribly, but it didn't review as highly as prior entries in the games, which have been closer to eight or nine in Japan. This one actually reviewed at about a seven, which is still okay. And what I'm hoping is that with time, Because, again, I feel bad for the people who got this day one, but you also have to realize, and this is, you know, unless you actually work within the industry, you know, when you have to sort of review these games for their release, there is no harm in simply waiting to see if the game gets patched up. Because I feel like the initial launch copies of these games always have some form of bugs or glitches. And then you got people who are complaining about it on Twitter. You know what I mean? It's one thing if like if you don't mind the bugs or glitches here and there, that's that's fine. But like, you know, I've been seeing it more and more in the past two or three years with games that have been coming out and people getting so excited, building the hype, and then they feel like gravely disappointed because it didn't meet their inflated expectations. And I'm hyped. I'm always hyped for a new entry in Pokemon. But I also knew that like I'm not going to get it day one, especially with Christmas around the corner. I could wait a whole year 
or two before I play Scarlet and Violet. I What I'm thinking is I'm going to wait until maybe they patch the game up and then re-release new copies, unless it, this is it and they've released it and then they're done, but I doubt it. I feel like there's always DLC and there's always uh, patchwork that they can do, uh, especially because they're connected to the internet. They can send those patches through the web. I'm waiting to see, it, and maybe I'll, I'll hop onto the game at a later time, but for now, you know what? I'm glad that it at least reviewed semi-positively, not compared to like prior entries, but it is playable to a sense. It's not a broken game, like 100% broken game, like a Fallout or a Cyberpunk. So, you know, I could be wrong. If you guys have found any game-breaking glitches, you know, let me know. Again, I'm only spouting from what I've seen on the internet so far. So, again, I've been wrong before. This one was one of the first stories I found this week. Uh, it actually, some positive news in the MCU right now with the film Blade. Now, we did report a little while back that Blade had lost its original director and its writer, but it seems as though they've pushed ahead to try to keep it on track with its initial uh, launch date. Uh, they've hired a new director and a new writer to sort of tell, I guess they, they're going to rewrite the whole story and they're going to start from scratch. So they have actually hired uh, Lovecraft Con Country pilot director Yan Demange. He's been tapped to helm the Blade movie. As well, uh, they got the writer from When They See Us, Michael Starbury, who's going to pen the screenplay for this upcoming reboot. Now, previously, when Bass and Tariq, who was the initial director, departed, they actually hired on the head writer from X-Men 97, the animated uh, reboot, Bo DeMaio, who was going to retool the script. But then I guess they felt they needed to re rewrite the whole script entirely. Uh, bringing on talent like this, especially with Demange, who has experience with uh, Lubka Country, it shows that we're probably going to be looking at a much darker, scarier story to tell uh, in the Blade universe. I mean, we already knew Blade was going to be a horror film, but Demange, if you've watched Lovecraft Country, it is an unsettling show, and it is a hard watch. And so I'm I'm excited to see what they will do, and I really hope that this film gets on back on track. You know, it's one of those things that they have a target window to hit. It's very likely now that the film could get delayed. And the one thing I, I didn't even mention this week, which was a big story that I completely dropped, was that Bob Chapek, who's the CEO at Disney, actually left and was replaced with Bob Iger, who returned as the CEO of Disney. And there's this big debate online about quality over quantity. And it does feel like in recent years, and I'll get to my point in a sec, uh, when it comes to Blade, it does feel as if uh, Disney has been capitalizing on quantity over quality for a lot of their projects. Uh, if you look at some more recent uh, films, and I'm going to name, say, uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, as well as Thor Love and Thunder, those films would have done well if they had sort of sat and you know breathed a little more. But I feel like with upping the the amount of releases that we're seeing with films. We used to have at least two or three films a year, and now we have anywhere from like four plus Disney Plus shows that are basically just rolling one after the other. And then you loop in some special presentations. There's a, a sense that with Bob Iger returning, there could be a delay in the Marvel Cinematic Universe slate, which I'm welcome to a delay if it means that they're going to put a bit more time and polish into a lot of their projects. But I feel like most of Phase 5 is pretty well set in stone. It's a very likely chance that we could see some delays with Phase 6. But the reason why I'm bringing this back to the Blade discussion is that Blade is a film that while it is set for a Phase 5 release, this film could 
benefit greatly from being delayed at this point. I know you hired on a new director and a writer, but you want to give this film time to breathe and to really get the true potential out of this. It's a reboot, yes, but you're introducing a new character to the universe. And here's the thing. You look at the um, the slate from uh, how we got from phase one to the end of phase three, and I know there was some time between those films that all those films had their own time to breathe and were spaced out. But with the insurgence of Disney Plus now, you have opportunities to tell new stories on a smaller budget. But I wouldn't skimp on quality. I want, like, that's the thing. Like, there's certain shows like Moon Knight and She-Hulk that would have benefited from a bit more time in the pot. And I feel like they're very, maybe taking She-Hulk out of this, but Moon Knight, which was ended up being very formulaic. And I feel like it also required a bit more budget i feel like the budget wasn't entirely there it was there for some cases but not throughout the whole thing miss marvel i felt was a pretty balanced show and i think that it delivered really well in terms of its acting in terms of its script but again the stakes are a lot lower when it comes to these television shows the next major show we're expected to see in the marvel cinematic universe is going to be secret invasion uh so i'm hoping that that will be a another positive run especially since it's going to see nick fury and Maria Hill back in sort of the centerpiece of the MCU, since we haven't really seen them take center stage since Marvel, or I think Avengers 2. You know, they've popped up here and there in different films, like, of course, Avengers Endgame and Infinity War, as well as Spider-Man Far From Home. But we haven't really been able to focus on them much. Oh, and I forgot to mention Captain Marvel. That's where we saw young Nick Fury. So he played a major part there. But it's never been his own story. It's always been sort of a partner or a sort of a, a figurehead to the main character. Long story short, I do think that if they have to delay any film, Blade would benefit from this. But if it is slotted in there for a reason, um, they certainly are probably leading towards Blade being a, a figurehead for the supernatural side of the MCU. I Hopefully they take their time and they get it all figured out. Keeping with MCU news, it was actually announced this week that Chris Hemsworth is going to be taking a break from acting for a bit after revealing that he found out during his run of the Disney Plus uh, docu-series Limitless that his that he is actually genetically predisposed to developing Alzheimer's disease. He said he told Vanity Fair it is not a predeterministic gene, but it is a strong indication. Ten years ago, I think it was probably more thought of as determinant. Essentially, he found out that his genetic makeup includes two copies of the APOE4 gene, one from his mother and another from his father. That combination reportedly leads to an increased Alzheimer's risk. He said that he's not officially handed in his resignation, but he did announce that he's going to be taking a break for the short while after the experience of filming the series forced him to confront his own mortality in a number of ways. He also added that it triggered something in me to want to take some time off, and since we finished the show, I've been completing the things I was already contracted to do. Now, when I finish this tour this week, I'm going home and I'm going to have a good chunk of time and just simplify. Be with the kids, be with my wife. So Limitless, I believe, just released on the National Geographic session of Disney+, uh, and it involves Chris Hemsworth exploring the full potential of the human body with episodes devoted to the science of longevity. While this may sound like sad news for his time as, as Thor, uh, he did say that his next run as Thor, whether it be in Thor 5 or maybe an Avengers film, could see him coming to an end as Thor. I think with the fact that 
post-credit scenes seem to tell a different story. You know, it seems as if Thor five could very well be his last run as Thor. I think that he's he's been in the role for a long time. I think I think since 2019 or or 2009 or 2010, uh, since when he was uh, first playing Thor. So I think that he is right in feeling as if he deserves a break from the character. I mean, I'd be I'd be a little nervous too, and I'd I'd definitely be thinking about slowing down and taking some time for family because you don't know how many years you necessarily have ahead of you. And so the fact that he is concerned about this, it's warranted. Should he abandon the role altogether? I don't think so. I think that he can take less uh, responsibility within the MCU and make appearances here and there. But I do think that he should slow down in terms of... It, it felt as if Love and Thunder was ramping up a new trilogy or trying to. I don't necessarily think he needs to. I think that he's sort of told his story through and through and... Love and Thunder was essentially supposed to pass the torch to Natalie Portman to take on as Lady Thor, but then the film kind of ended not really doing that. He's still carrying the handle. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. The next couple of years will definitely be a determining factor. Uh, for all we know, maybe Marvel will approach him with more money to try to sway him to come back for one or two more projects. Uh, but I think that at this time, right now, as we're talking about this, his mind is basically made up whatever his next appearance is will probably be the last we see of him as Thor, at least for the immediate future. So we got two more stories left. This one just crossed my my radar today. It was actually confirmed that Johnny Depp, after going through the drama of the Amber Heard trial uh, and being away from Jack Sparrow for the past five years after finishing the last Pirates of the Caribbean film, is going to be returning to the role um, after making a new deal with Disney. He is set to be reprising his role as the swashbuckling hero Jack Sparrow. It is reported that Johnny Depp is due to have a test shoot in the UK in February, according to a new call sheet from production. So this is uh, amazing news. I know we had had an announcement that there was going to be a new Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and Margot Robbie, I believe, was going to lead the charge on that. But then that film got canceled, which only makes sense because you can't like... When you build up pirates and you build up this character in this universe, it's really hard for fans to latch on to a new interpretation. I think of this in terms of like, this is kind of a terrible reference, but like Jason Bourne, for example, like Matt Damon is Jason Bourne. But when you brought Jeremy Renner in to do his own version, it did not do as well because it's not Jason Bourne. Same thing with pirates. You know, John, Jack Sparrow is Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp is Jack Sparrow. You can't do a Pirates of the Caribbean film without Jack Sparrow in some light. I'm glad to see that he is continuing to fulfill his duty as Jack Sparrow, and he'll probably do it until he dies or something like that, or he just doesn't want to do the role anymore. But, you know, I'm glad to see that, you know, despite all the uh, negativity around the Amber Heard trial, he seems to have come out on top and he's going to be getting back to work. And so... Yeah, we'll see if uh, this test shoot does prove to be real, if this does end up being an upcoming Pirates film. And, you know, I would imagine this would be a summer blockbuster type film. We probably won't see anything until 2024, 2025. So it's going to be some time before we probably see this film uh, in theaters. Finally, I want to talk about our last story today. You know, we were talking about Sony at the beginning and we're bookending it with Sony again. Sony and Honda may have a solution for more entertainment on the go, and they're planning, this is Sony, might be planning to stick PlayStation 5s into their new, into Honda's new future electric cars. So in an interview with the Financial Times, President and COO of Sony Honda Mobility, Izumi Kawaenchi, 
said that it is possible to integrate the PlayStation 5 into cars. The console and other Sony services are part of a greater vision to make a more entertainment-driven vehicle, competing with other electric models like the Tesla. Sony has content, services, and entertainment technologies that move people, and we are adapting these assets to mobility, and this is our strength against Tesla. So, in fighting back against the man, the myth, the legend himself, Elon Musk, Sony and Honda pairing up, that seems like a pretty cool idea. But who's to say that other electric cars in the future won't try to partner with different companies? I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Microsoft partner with with a future electric car company like Ford or Hyundai or something like that. If that's the way I'm go- it's going to be for me to get a PlayStation 5, I would switch to an electric Honda. But the, the thing is, too, is that like... I would need like an electric charging station, I think, and and I don't exactly have one of those around me. So the idea is cool. I think I just really want a PlayStation 5 and I'll just do whatever I can to get it. If it means selling out to the electric gods <laughs> to get myself a PlayStation 5, then that's cool. That's cool beans, man. I'll, I'll do what I have to. Finally, I want to talk about our poll question results from last week. So last week was our big game of the year discussion. Uh, and I wanted to know which game would you do you think will take the game of the year at the Game Awards this year? So your choices were Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, A Plague Tale Requiem, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. And unsurprisingly, it looks like God of War Ragnarok came out on top with 67%, with 33% going to Elden Ring. And I believe one vote, which is also 33% or less, going to Stray. So nobody thought that Horizon, Plague Tale, or Xenoblade would take it, which, again, I'm not surprised. I'm glad that there was at least one person that felt Stray deserved Game of the Year, because that is a fun little game. And I think that more people need to try it, myself included. And so this is going to be a head-to-head between Elden Ring and God of War for sure. I still believe Elden Ring will take it, you know, but... Considering God of War is going to be more recent in the minds of gamers, there's still a possibility that God of War could reign supreme. But we'll see. We'll see. The Game Awards are only two weeks away, so we'll find out then. This new poll question of the week, it has to do with Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. As you all know, the game has been experiencing glitches and other other bugs and, and things that pick, people have picked up in the game that have made people's experience not the greatest. And I'm actually looking at getting refunds for the game, which is unfortunate. I want to know, will you be purchasing Scarlet or Violet despite the glitches and other issues plaguing the game? Yes or no? I, I unfortunately feel as if this is going to kind of line up to the no category at the moment. So it would be interesting to see if a couple months down the line when they do get the game patched up and, and in working order, if more people are going to return to the game in droves. There's already enough people playing the game with 10 million copies sold in the first three days. So it's a double-edged sword in the fact that it's it's great that it's the most successful software uh, sale for Nintendo to date. It's unfortunate that the game is not a perfect release. Again, we'll see how things go. Unfortunately, that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. You can head over to my blog, wkey.wordpress.com, where I occasionally will post feature-length articles, news releases, opinions on anything I find interesting. I now have a new social media account. In the event that Twitter does go go crashing in flames, you guys can follow me on Hive. And if you search my name, it's William Outbreak on Hive. It is essentially like, like the new Twitter. And all the content creators, at least in this community, have been heading to Hive in droves 
So if you haven't already and you're listening to the show and you want to follow me on Hive, William Outbreak is my name. Again, Twitter still exists for the time being. So you can follow this podcast at Podcast Outbreak or you can follow my personal Twitter account at Will Key. As well, I have a Redbubble store and I have a TikTok account, both of which are also called William Outbreak as well. Uh, and Redbubble, we've got two shirt designs there that you can get the podcast logo. You can get I have the song on Rock Band on any sort of article of clothing or perhaps a clock, bath mat, you know, shower curtain, an apron for the kitchen. If you want to cook Thanksgiving dinner for my American friends there, you can get any of that stuff on the Redbubble store. As well, this podcast is available on anchor.fm. Thank you so much, Anchor, for allowing me to post episodes of the podcast once a week for free. Uh, Anchor.fm backslash the Outbreak Podcast. And you can find this podcast anywhere you listen to uh, your favorite gaming podcast, which I do hope is me. This includes Apple, Google, Spotify, Listen Notes, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Amazon Music Plus Audible, TuneIn Plus Alexa, and many, many more. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode today and have yourselves a great night.